Hello and welcome to another episode of Cast It Into the Fire. Um, I'm on with Bill again. Good evening. And uh, we're going over the first Eddard Stark point of view chapter. So this is Lord Eddard Stark, uh, more often just called Ned. Yeah. And... And he's arriving. Uh, he's at Winterfell and the king's arriving with... Yeah. Um, his whole cavalcade, knights, bannermen, bunch of horses, Queen Cersei. Um, they made a huge journey with a ridiculous amount of things like servants and a caravan. And I remember, this journey is the equivalent of... Um, I don't have the, the miles in my head, but imagine a place that starts with like a Georgia kind of climate all the way up to a place that's got like a Russia kind of... It's like a Yukon trek. You said it was... You compared it to the Oregon Trail. I thought that was a good one. It's like a Yukon trek, almost. And, uh... Yeah, including a... A big wheelhouse. So, uh, a fancy wagon pulled by 40 draft horses. Yep. Which is not practical. Nope. I mean, once you got that many horses, it's not... Well, the whole caravan is not practical at all. Anyway... And um, with them is Sir Jamie Lannister with his hair as bright as beaten gold and Sandor Clegane with his terrible burned face. So these um, Sir Jamie Lannister and Sandor Clegane are going to be very important characters throughout the series. Um, yeah, all of this is very, very, very important for later on. And a tall boy who could only be the crown prince... Joffrey. Yep. Little brat. Uh, oh, yeah. Tall boy, right? Is that what they said? Yeah, they said tall boy. Yeah, okay. Tall I don't boy. care. Little brat. He's probably like... He's tall as and he's four foot already, and he's ten. And it's like... I mean, that's how old he is, isn't it? Or was he's it uh, 13, 13 uh, whatever, same difference. Yeah, well. And a stunted little man behind them who was... Surely the imp, Tyrion Lannister. Um, yeah, Tyrion's going to be very important throughout the um, throughout the series. Yeah, we all we all know Tyrion. I mean, anybody who's watched the show knows Tyrion. And um, the king is riding at the head of the column, and he he vaults off his war horse and. Um, Bear hugs Ned. Ah, but it is good to see that frozen face of yours. You have not changed at all. And Ned's looking at uh, the king and uh, remembering um, when they were both younger 15 years ago and um, taking part in the rebellion against the Targaryen rule. And um, Robert had looked... King Robert had looked really different. He he was clean-shaven, clear-eyed, and muscled like a maiden's fantasy. Um, that's pretty much as descriptive as George R. R. tends to get with a guy that's um, supposed to be... Means he's ripped. Means he's like... I imagine like Conan, but you know, that's... Uh... Maybe not that much, but he... I mean, uh, yeah, he wielded a warhammer. He had to be strong. Um, 
Yeah. He, he, all right, maybe, so there you go. Maybe the modern equivalent would be Chris Hemsworth's Thor or something. So, but yes, um, yeah. I kind of think, except for, except for, um, he's uh, older than Robert was at at that time. I kind of see, like, maybe Richard Armitage, the guy they had for Thor and Oakenshield in uh, The Hobbit, maybe. Something like that. And... His weapon of choice, a spiked iron warhammer, and the great antlered helmet of his house. So he had antlers on his helmet. Once again, impractical. You don't want horns or antlers on your helmet. There's a reason why the Viking horned helmet thing was a myth. Yeah, but um, the reason why the myth caught on, and the reason why you had other helmets with things like that on it is because it's decorative. It's, it's decorative. It looks common. cool. It's not meant to be, like, you wouldn't ride that into war. That's your... Your marching party. It's well, like, okay. he did. Okay, well, he's also, you know, Robert Baratheon. He's all about theatrics. He's very clearly all about theatrics by this point. Or by, you know. And. He comes that way, at least. Um, it had been nine years ago that Ned had last seen King Robert. And it was during Balon Greyjoy's rebellion that Balon Greyjoy of the Iron Islands had decided to declare himself king of the Iron Islands um, because they did used to, you know, rule themselves back back in the day. And um, Balon had a rebellion that ended up crushed, and um, he lost his sons and. Um, his last remaining son, Theon Greyjoy, became a hostage. hostage ward of the Starks. As we saw. As a little boy, and now he's, you know, an obnoxious teenager now, but... Yep, he's obnoxious all around. And that, spoiler alert, that doesn't change anytime soon. So this was nine years ago that um, Robert had last seen him. And, no, that Ned had last seen Robert, and, well, either way... And Robert has changed a lot. He's grown a you know mega black beard and um, gained eight stone, which uh, you looked that up a little bit a bit ago. What what's that? A hundred and twelve? You said. Yeah, it's one hundred and twelve point something. I forget which, but yeah, it's 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 about. He put on a lot over nine years. Yeah. Um, so he was already muscular, he was already built, and then he just gained 112 pounds. So I imagine he's just this gigantic dude. I mean, do we know how tall he is? I don't remember. Does it say? I don't remember. Um, six and a half feet, it says. So yeah, he was... So he was big. He's a huge dude. He was a big dude. So yeah, the Conan thing is actually not that far off of an assessment. And it's like, you kind of don't get that from the show or from a lot of other readings of it. But, yeah, he's a large, large guy who probably could have done a lot of damage in battle. And he's still probably just this gigantic guy. And um, he's gotten dark circles under his eyes, so he's, he's... He's stressed. He's well. He's also drinking. And, he's, and yes, constantly. he drinks heavily. Um, yeah, he's like doing all of that stuff constantly. Be, and being king has changed him. Yeah, as as being king will do. Yeah. 
and well, Ned welcomes him to Winterfell and um, he has some stuff about the Queen's wheelhouse and um, double-deck carriage of oiled oak and gilded metal pulled by 40 heavy draft horses too wide to pass through the castle gates. Yep, as Sarah said, very impractical. I, uh, I tried to copy that while playing uh, Oregon Trail. I'm like, yeah, I'll put, make a big wagon with 40 horses, name my party after uh, the Baratheon Lannister family. Uh, <laughs> um, and, yeah, they have their greeting formalities with the Queen, and, um... Both both families, you know, bring forward their kids to introduce. Um, and as soon as all these greeting formalities are done, um, Robert's like, take me down to the crypt. I ha- have to pay my respects. Yep. And you know, Ned and uh, the king, they go down to the crypts together. And Robert's talking about the long journey to Winterfell and how empty it is and how it's bogs and forests and fields and scarcely a decent inn. Okay, except for the sleeping arrangements, obviously. Oh, that sounds awesome. I, that's my kind of place, but... Um, yeah, Robert's like, where are all your people? And Ned's joking, oh, they're too shy to come out. Um... And kings are a rare sight in the north. More likely, they are hiding. Un- they were hiding under the snow. Snow, Ned. Ned's like, oh, the late summer snows are coming enough. Hope they aren't don't are not troubling you. I hope they did not trouble you. They are usually mild. Robert swears the others take your mild snows. Don't worry, Robert. I'm sure they will. Yeah. Um. Uh, they're talking about the winters being hard there, and um, Robert is like, you need to come south, Ned. You need to experience summer and all this delicious, um, ripe fruit we've got growing, and markets, and wine, and women, and. Robert is not exactly tasteful about, you know, the women wearing shorter clothes that get see-through when it gets hot and sticky enough, and he's tasteless about it. Yeah, he's very, very blatant and uh, very crude about that in his remarks. Because, yeah, that's who Robert is as a person. Well, he's crude throughout the, yeah, he's crude throughout the books. (laughs) He he speaks plainly, uh, not plainly, but, uh, he, he actually, sorry... Sorry to bring it back to that, but yeah, he would talk about uh, uh, certain things. Anyway, yeah. And he indeed uh, doesn't really get into this yet, but he he is sleeping with a lot of women while, you know, while he's married and he has a lot of kids out of wedlock with him and that's going to be a major plot point later. Yeah, they're 
going down further into the crypts, and they visit uh, the tomb of Ned's sister, Lyanna Stark. Yep, and that was that's a major uh, major because there's uh, this is a sort of very interesting thing that happens here, an interesting subject that gets broached. Yeah, and um, Robert is like she shouldn't be down here in the crypt. She should be you know buried somewhere you know beautiful and then and they open with a fruit tree over her and you know where you know the rain can rain and um Robert had been in love with uh Lyanna Stark and was supposed to be betrothed to her um now you could argue the point about you know what kind of love this was but um at least from Robert's point of view he was in love with her, and, um, he was, you know, understandably very bitter about her death. And, uh, does this come up in this chapter? What, which thing? Uh, this isn't really a spoiler. Um, she was, um, said to have been kidnapped by um former prince Rhaegar Targaryen yeah. and um it was not pretty it was not pretty um he was alleged to have sexually assaulted her and um this had led to her death now Should I, should I talk about what, um, show spoilers that may be, uh, all right. So a bit of a spoiler warning. It, it may not have been as unconsensual as Robert made it sound. No. Um. And this figures out later into it. Now, Ned is like, oh, she's buried here because she's a Stark. This is where the Starks are buried. Uh, generations of Starks have been buried in these crypts. It's their family tomb. It is meant to be their family tomb, and that's like a major thing with uh, them. It's a large uh, reason why it's like that. And Ned is, you know, thinking in his head, none of this out loud, that of when he saw Lyanna before she died. Promise me, she had cried in a room that smelled of blood and roses. Promise me, Ned. Yeah. And so she had had Ned promise her something. And that's that's going to be important later, too. Yep. And he thinks about this, you know, more than once um, through this book. You know, this is his sister's final moments are, you know, con- they're on his mind, you know, as it's understandable. Yeah, it's that, of course. I mean, the subject was brought up, so of course he's going to be thinking about it the whole time. And after she... Um, dies, a little Cranach man named Howland Reed had taken her hand from his. Now, the Cranach men, 
Um, I'll go more into them once we actually get to where they live in later chapters, but, um, they're people from the swamps of, uh, the neck, and most, they're pretty short and slight. Yeah. And, um, Ned had a, a friendship with this Kranigman, Holland Reed, and... There's no further background with them. There is further background with them. Yeah. Um, that will come up later. Yeah, the Holland Reed's family was um, pretty close to the Starks family in their history. And you know, Ned's you know, coming out of this thought and um, says he brings her flowers when he can, and Leanna was fond of flowers. Um, yeah, before... Um, this does not mention in this chapter, but, um... When the... Before the prince, um, took her away, he gave her, um, some blue winter roses. Yeah. Which is going to be a repeated thematic in the... Yeah, that comes up again later on. And the king is, like, vowed to kill Rhaegar for what he did to her. And Ned's like, you did, you did kill him. Only once, Robert said bitterly. Yeah, well, Robert... Yeah, Robert... Robert has big anger toward every Targaryen. Yeah. Um, he, he has really, a little Targaryen really... in him himself because the... But that that's that's a major reason why they're you know it's they're trying to you know it's trying to be that uh um that you know if he were to get a hold of uh, Viserys and Daenerys he'd totally kill them he wouldn't even hesitate about it he would just because he doesn't view them as human. Yeah, they're dragons, not to... yeah. Like he literally means that they're dragons and. That's sort of a uh, an interesting little thing to happen. And it's uh, the the book is talking about the battle that um, was between Robert and Rhaegar and all the the rubies on Rhaegar's breastplate and Robert's warhammer and antlered helm again, and how the waters of the trident ran red around the horses' hooves and. The, the circling and clashing again and again until at last a crushing blow from Robert's hammer stove in the dragon and the chest beneath it. Yeah. And Rhaegar lying dead in the stream and men of both armies scrabbling in the swirling water for the rubies that fell off of the prince's armor. And of course I imagine, like I said, two very, very large dudes just going at it. Eventually one of them makes a fatal mistake and it's not the guy with the war hammer, and Robert Baratheon wins it all. And Robert says that in his dreams he kills him every night. A thousand deaths will still be less than he deserves. So he's having trouble letting it go, even though he won. He totally won. It's not like this is a weird uh, dispute or anything. He totally won, and he's uh, he's the king now. So... And Ned says they only should go back out of the cliffs. His wife is waiting. 
the others, the others take, no, your Robert's wife is waiting. The others take my wife, Robert muttered sourly. Um, their marriage is not a happy one. Um, that's an understatement. And, um, Robert is, if I hear your grace once more, I'll have your head on a spike. We are more to each other than that. Okay, part of Robert's uh, personality is he says things like that. Yeah, he threatens all the time. It's very unlikely that... He would do that to Ned. Not or, to Ned, but... And I think Ned sort of knows that, but I get the impression, and Sarah and I were discussing this earlier, I get the impression that Ned still senses that there will be betrayal somehow. And Sarah pointed out that, you know, it reads like Robert, at least is expecting something. She doesn't... She, You think that Ned is just wary of the fact that he's tied to Robert's fate. And, yeah, there's no... The only reason Ned's going to... No. That uh, Robert is going to bring his whole retinue all the way from King's Landing to Winterfell, you know, Oregon Trail style, all that distance, is... You know, he wants something from Ned, and... um. I think Ned, you know, senses that he's going to be summoned to King's Landing. He knows that he's going to have to be hand to the king and go to King's Landing. Yeah, leave, leave Winterfell, leave his wife, um, take on a prestigious but stressful job. As Sarah said, go to like an Oregon Trail type distance away from his family. And, um, Ned's father had... Um, died in King's Landing, tortured to death by the previous king. So there's that in mind. And, uh... The king starts, you know, explaining that the former hand of the king, John Aaron, had, um died very quickly from a fever that um, the sickness was like a fire in his gut it burned right through him and uh, he loved that old man and you know Ned said that you know he did too and Catelyn is worried about his sister who was his wife now, how does Lysa bear her grief? And Robert says that he thinks that losing her husband, John Aaron, had driven the woman mad. And yeah. she's taken her boy back to the Erie, um, which is um, the the mountain castle of House Aaron. I always but, forget that part. That's, like, the, that's the castle. How it? would you pronounce it? Erie, Irie, uh, Eagle's Nest. Yeah, I would pronounce it. I'll have to look at it. You have it right there, right? Yeah, I have it right here. E-Y-R-I-E. Yeah, I'd probably pronounce it Eerie, but I don't know. It's like a, a spelling of Eerie. But I'm sure that some people would call it a thing. And Robert had hoped to foster um, her son, Rob, um, Robert Aaron. No, another Robert. The show changed him to Robin Aaron to avoid more confusion with how many robs there already are in the because the show does things like that um 
he had hoped to have him fostered with Tywin Lannister at Casterly Rock because he has no, um, John didn't have any brothers and had, didn't have any other sons. Was I supposed to leave him to be raised by women? Yeah. Um, a little misogynist, probably accurate attitude for the... Again, there's misogyny throughout the series. And Ned is privately thinking he would sooner entrust a child to a pit viper than to Lord Tywin, which is, you know, a pretty astute... Uh, yeah, Tywin shouldn't be parenting anyone. He's a terrible father. And I can't resist being a reptile nerd and being like, that means pit vipers exist in this world. Yeah. So maybe the vipers of Dorne are uh, pit vipers. Yeah, maybe. Well, it seems like George R. R. Martin just likes to include every type of animal. I respect that about him. He puts, like, every type of animal he can. George R. R. is a herper. He's got his tortoises. He's not just that. He, like I said, he'll put every animal in it. Like, he'll put, you know, mammoths, dinosaurs, uh, you know, various large, you know, birds, various large, you know, mammals. And he'll put direwolves in it. Granted, his own version of direwolves. He puts dragons in it. He puts... Uh, toxic insects, which we later learn about in it. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, back to the story at hand. Ned um, would not trust um, Tywin parenting a kid, which is smart because Tywin is a horrible father to his actual kids. Um, I don't know how much Ned actually knows of this, but maybe... Maybe he senses it just from his personality. I don't know. And uh, he he points out that Lysa had just lost her husband and she's afraid to lose her son, who's, you know, very young. And the king is like, yeah, he's six, he's sickly, and he's lord of the airy. And Lord Tywin had never taken a word before. Lysa... Ought to have been honored. Well, yes, having a big house like the Lannisters, that important to foster your um, kid, would be, in the politics of this world, considered an honor. But still, he's Tywin, so don't do that. Yeah. Um, and... You know, Robert says the boy is his namesake and he's sworn to protect him. How can he do this if his mother steals him away? It's fi only fair for me to point out that Lysa Aaron is later revealed to be a horrible parent also in a completely different way. Yeah, there's plenty of this to go around. I mean, it's, it's messed up for um, little Robert Aaron either way. He's not going to have a normal childhood. And Ned offers that he would take Robert as his ward if uh, the king wishes. And that Lysa should consent to that. She and um, her sister Catelyn were close as girls. And she'd be welcome there too. 
And the king's like, too late. Tywin already uh, gave the consent for that. Yep. And so he'd that... be insulted if the anyone else did it. Is that opportunity to sell? Yeah, there's diplomacy to be considered. And Ned says, I have more concern for my nephew's welfare than I do for Lannister pride. And Robert laughs, that is because you do not sleep with a Lannister. Yeah, <laughs> and that's sort of the thing. Like, Robert is not the fondest of the Lannisters, but of course he's married to Cersei. He's married to Cersei. He has and... her brother Jamie as Kingsguard. He has two Lannisters as squires. And he's clearly getting their money. Yeah, he he definitely he didn't marry Cersei for love. It's a powerful alliance. Her father's rich. Um she's beautiful. But he never loved her. And they're going back out of the crypts now and Um, they get to talking about the wall and the night's watch. And the Night's Watch is a shadow of what it once was, meaning uh, they're they're really understaffed. They have less and less people you know, joining them. I mean, yeah. there's reasons a guy wouldn't want to, after all. Yeah, there's plenty of reasons. Uh, as, I mean, I don't know. As we'll get into later. All right, we'll get into it later. I'm going to spoil Benjen says something, which Robert cuts him off about that. So, um, Ned's brother Benjen, you know, obviously has some kind of concern about the Night's Watch, and I have a feeling it may even involve the others, but yeah. it doesn't come up anymore. Um, they keep going on about Robert, Aaron, and... Um, how he is going to succeed to the IRA and all its incomes. How the Aarons had always been Wardens of the East, and the title goes with the domain. Yep. They're like, he's six, he's no war leader. In peace, the title is only an honor. Let the boy keep it, for his father's sake, if not his own. Surely you owe John that much for service. And um, the king is like, John's service was the duty he owed his liege lord. I'll see, see where this is going. It's kind of a, kind of a trap on Ned here. Yeah. Well, again, this is why I always wonder if Ned is... We don't go into it, but if he does suspect anything... And the king is starting to um, imply, I think, that it's also Ned's duty to his liege lord to go be hand of the king. He didn't point blank say it, but... But he implied it very heavily. And then he... Then he gets to it about, um... I want you at my side again, Ned. I want you down in King's Landing, not up here at the end of... The world where you are no damned use to anybody. Yep. And he goes on about how sitting a throne is a thousand times harder than winning one. And how tedious the laws and the 
counting coppers and the people that come in with complaints to the king and it can drive a man to madness Ned half of them don't dare tell me the truth and the other half can't find it there are nights I wish we had lost at the trident oh no not truly but Ned's just like I understand yeah Yeah, I wouldn't have to think about what came after and and Robert is Lord Edward Stark. I would name you the hand of the king. And Ned, you know, drops to his knee. He's not surprised by the offer. But he says. He says, "Your Grace, I am not worthy of the honor." And Robert says, "If I wanted to honor you, I'd let you retire. I am planning to make you run the kingdom and fight the wars." While I eat and drink and wench myself into an early grave. And he's probably pretty serious about that. Again, not that uh, Robert really wants that. And um, Ned knew the saying, what the king dreams the hand builds. And um, Robert says it differently, and you'll pardon the language here, but um, I betted a fish maid once who told me the lowborn have a choicer way to put it. The king eats, they say, and the hand takes the shit. In which he uh, throws back his head and laughs, and the echoes are ringing through the darkness, and the king is like, you could at least uh, humor me with a smile. Yeah. Come south with me, and I'll teach you how to laugh again. You helped me win this damnable throne, now help me hold it. We were meant to rule together. If Liana had lived, we should have been brothers, bound by blood as well as affection. Well, it is not too late. I have a son. You have a daughter. My Joff and your Sansa shall join our houses as Liana and I might once have done. And, of course, because it was put like that... Ned says Sansa is only 11. Well, yeah, him being an actual good guy. But the fact and but Robert's like, there. she can still be betrothed. She can get married a few years later. Just yeah. a few years. <laughs> well, as you said, it's medieval times. It's like, ah, he's a hard man at 14. Or, you know, she's a... She's, she's, she's ready for motherhood at age 15 or whatever, which... Yeah. I believe, uh, yeah, not, 15 not is considered a legal adult for both boys and girls in Westeros. Well, there you go. Not that's smart or good, but... But it's how it is. And, well, Ned is like, nothing would give me greater pleasure, Your Grace. So I'm sure he's saying this more as a, a nicety. You know, he is talking to the king. Um, but he... It's like, I have to have time to consider. I need to tell my wife. And he's like, and the king is like, sure, tell, tell Catelyn and sleep on it. And but don't keep me waiting too long. I'm not the most patient of men. And um, there's Ned with this terrible sense of foreboding. And this was his place here in the north. And he's, he's in the crypt with all the stone figures of the Starks who had died before him. All around him in the crypt, and he can feel the eyes of the dead. 
they were all listening, he knew, and winter was coming. Um, so that's, Yeah, and that, that's, of course, the ominous thing, the fact that, you know, he realizes he's going to have to be hand to the king and take all of the uh, troubles and go down with the ship. Winter is coming. Um, so that's, that ends the chapter. Do you have any more, uh, to say about it? Uh, just that, uh, that of course, I, I mean, it's very, cl- well, I don't know what I should say without spoiling things, because we all know what, uh, happens at some point. Well, we do. Um, don't know how many of our listeners have read the book, but, you know, there is a very, uh, clear path that this is taking, but it's not one that necessarily that Ned nor Robert see. And Ned, you know, obviously doesn't want this, but doesn't feel he's in a position where he can really say no to it. He feels that his honor does not let him refuse, and that's, of course, that whole issue, the honor, instead of, you know... I mean, Ned... As I said, Ned and, uh... The, uh... The, um, the North, in general, could have totally made a, uh, could have made, uh, power grabs and power plays throughout the, uh, series. But again, I mean, we can go into that. The point is that, who's gonna invade a frozen wasteland, huh? Who? Yeah, like, is, I mean, you know, we see Well, we'll see who does. Well, we see that in history, if who actually invades. So, uh, that ends this episode. Thank you for listening to Cast It Into the Fire. Um, goodbye and, uh... Good night.